It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? and Welcome to yet another episode of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, Director of Scouting at DraftNetwork.com, your host here for your show. It's Power to the Pod, which means bunch of fan questions are going to steer the narrative and the conversation around this Tuesday episode of Locked on Dolphins. I always enjoy getting these questions from you, and we are in the peak of the offseason window, the Dolphins do have minicamp OTAs uh, this week. And uh, we are just around the corner from the start of training camp itself. So what better way to pass some time on the show than letting you guys have a voice? That is exactly what we are going to do today. I have the questions in the queue already. You guys you brought a bunch of questions. The first one comes from Davo. Davo wants to know, power to the pot, what do you see being our defense's biggest weakness next season? Last year, it seemed like it was our lack of an ability to generate a pass rush without blitzing, especially in clear passing situations, which I would agree with. Do you think we have enough talent and depth after this offseason for us to not worry about that problem anymore? I think the challenge... For Miami, and I think they, because you are going to expect the Dolphins to run a ton of sub packages, right? I know some people will point at the Dolphins linebackers and say, yeah, you have Jerome Baker. We talked yesterday about how Jerome Baker really turned a corner in 2020. And yeah, you brought in Bernard McKinney, but what else do you have there? And I think this Dolphins defense, especially when you consider that the defensive front is going to play a lot of gap control. And what I mean by that is they're not running into gaps and trying to create penetration and attack the mesh point. They're trying to sit, control the line of scrimmage, read and key blocks, and then look to shed and get off. But also in the process of doing that, they're going to keep the second and third level of the defense clean. You're going to see a lot of three safety sets. You're probably going to see a lot of uh, six defensive back sets in general. And that's where the Dolphins have invested a lot of their money. And you see a lot of the good defenses across the league. You look at their linebacker rooms and you say, really, that's all they got? Or, I don't know, they're a little top-heavy. you got to have unicorns to play in base defense in today's NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers can get away with a lot of uh, featured linebacker play because they're Levante David and Devin White in that defense. Yeah, of course it's going to work. So I think Miami, from that perspective, I'm not super concerned about the linebackers because I think the focus is more on the defensive back group. I think finding the right combination of who's going to play on the back end for a communication perspective, I think that's probably one of the big points of emphasis for McCourty coming in. Obviously, they're going to hope to see Javon Holland 
really master that defensive assignments perspective and get him into that starting free safety role. Uh, but that communication, anytime you hear Brian Flores talk about what's most important about the safety position in his defense, he talks about communication, being effective communicator, understanding the calls, getting everybody on the same page. That, for me, for the defense is the big change that happened. Yeah, I expect they're going to continue to be better uh, with organic pass rush. I do think Van Ginkle has upgrade potential as the hybrid linebacker type on obvious passing situations versus Van Noy. He's a much more dynamic athlete. He's not as savvy. He's not as accomplished. He's younger. Jalen Phillips coming in. Best pass rush palette of any prospect in this year's draft. He should be able to implement that and take advantage of that. But it's the youth for me. I think that's the biggest weakness is in some key spots you have some key inexperience and how well those guys rise to the occasion, Davo, is what I really look to and expect to define the biggest weakness of the team. Next question. David wants to know, first of all, been a long-time listener from the Wingfield days and now to the Crab days. Thank you for listening. Uh, awesome podcast. When you compared and graded the rosters in the AFC East, as a tiebreaker, tie you went back to positions you had already scored, such as quarterback and coaching, and not take a look at special teams. Kickers are people, too, and are huge difference makers. Okay, so yeah, this is a good point. And I had a couple people ask me, hey, why didn't you do special teams? Um, when you look at the special teams units, New England and Miami historically have been, or New England historically under Bill Belichick because the whole focus is attention to detail and focus and discipline and blah, 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 blah. Uh, they've been good at special teams seemingly forever. Miami, you really feel like with Jason Sanders is a huge X factor. You cross the 40-yard line on most possessions pending weather, you feel like you got three points. And law of averages, you know, it's... You'll get most of those. It was like an Olindo Mare type season from Jason Sanders last year. And if you're old enough to remember when Olindo Mare was kicking for the Dolphins, you know exactly what I mean by that. So I think from a kicker perspective, Miami, no question, has the best kicker in the division. From a punting perspective, I think Michael Pilardi uh, certainly stands to be an upgrade over Matt Hawk who seemed as though he had turned the corner. I thought he had his best season in Miami, uh, but struggled down the stretch, had a couple shanks in big games. You really can't afford to have shanks. And he's now in Buffalo, Matt Hawk is. So I think that's a key leg up over the Bills from a field possession and hidden yardage and so on and so forth. Uh, I think from a kick coverage perspective, I'd probably give the nod to New England as the best in the AFC East. Matthew Slater doesn't become like a perennial Pro Bowl player for nothing for being a special teamer. He's really, really good. Now, Miami, I think, has plenty of good depth. And I think as this Dolphins roster continues to deepen out, you will continue to see more depth along the special teams unit. And that's going to make everybody better. Uh, that, that will make that unit across the board better. When you have better players getting their fair share of snaps on Sundays, or Thursdays, on special teams. So, I don't know how I would quantify and rank them just because I am reading this question 
in real time here off the cuff, but I would say Miami is top two in the division, in my opinion, from a special teams unit perspective. And if you were going to put a tiebreaker somewhere on that front, it would go to the kicker. And I do think the Dolphins with Jason Sanders, based off the way he kicked the football last year, have the best kicker in the AFC East. So if you wanted to ask who has the best special teams unit, that's probably the direction that my eyes are going to go, just looking at all four of those collectively. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules or brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why do you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way for you to stay up to date with all of your favorite sports betting action and opportunities to win some money. And who doesn't like to win? You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and UFC. Head over to the website, betonline.ag, on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the sign-up bonuses and contest information that's available to you. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. So head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Continuing along our way through the fan questions here on this Tuesday episode of Power to the Pot, the next question, a little slander at my buddies from over at TDN, I love it. Power to the Pod question, five-star, favorite Dolphins podcast. Don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening, SunTag1515. Genuinely appreciate it. Listening to Locked On NFL Draft Podcast today with your boys Benjamin Solak and Trevor Sykema, and they are doing an Antarctica Division tournament and named their all-22 starting lineup on offense and defense for the AFC East to compete. I just wondered if you had any difference of opinion to them Think it would make a good show to go through and do your all 22 on offense and defense. Anything you would change? Here are their selections on offense and defense. Offense, quarterback Josh Allen, running back Damian Harris, wide receiver Stephon Diggs, wide receiver Will Fuller, wide receiver Devontae Parker, tight end Jonu Smith, tight end Jonu Smith, tight end Jonu Smith, offensive tackle Mekhi Becton, Offensive tackle, Isaiah Wynn. Interior offensive line, Michael Lewenu, David Andrews, Shaq Mason. Defensive ends, we have Carl Lawson, Matthew Judon. Defensive tackles, Quinn and Williams, Raquan Davis. Linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. Linebacker, Donta Hightower. Cornerback, Stephon Gilmore. Cornerback, Xavier Howard. Cornerback, Trey White. Safety, Marcus May. Safety, Jordan Poyer. Head coach Bill Belichick, defensive coordinator Sean McDermott, offensive coordinator Brian Dable, four players for the Dolphins, which is behind five players for the Bills, and nine players for the Patriots. 
do I disagree with this format? You bet your bottom dollar I do. Uh, I'm not taking two over Josh Allen as things currently stand. That would be irresponsible of me to do. Not taking any of the Dolphins running backs, although I do think Miles Gaskin could have changed this narrative by the end of the season. I, I think Damian Harris is a firm choice. Uh, Gaskin on a per-game basis was more productive, but he's got to be able to stay healthy, although Damian Harris never carried the load full-time at the NFL level either, and he's presumably going to continue to split carries between James White and some of the other bodies that the Patriots have there if they end up keeping Sony Michelle on the roster. So who knows? Uh, I think I think that by the end of the season, I understand why right now it's Damian Harris, but I think by the end of the season, that could be Miles Gaskin. I'm good with the wide receivers. Uh, Stephon Diggs, best wide receiver in the division. Will Fuller, I think, is your next best option. Uh, if your wide receiver three is going to come down to either Devontae Parker, you know, I, I probably wouldn't put any rookies on here just because I would like to see them play. Uh, if you, it's going to be between Devontae Parker, uh, Nelson Aguilar, and Corey Davis. I think you probably made the right choice in Parker. Uh, I would get the argument for Jonu Smith being the choice at tight end over Mike Gusecki if you were to say, well, Mike is really just a glorified wide receiver. But at the same time, Jonu Smith is not a hand-in-the-dirt traditional. Like, that, that choice would be Hunter Henry. I would take Mike Gusecki over Jonu Smith. If you want a true tight end, then you know, let's go to Hunter Henry, who the Patriots also signed this offseason. But if you're going to go for an athlete and a receiving threat, give me Mike Gusecki over Jonu Smith for sure. So you can say, I, right now I'm plus one over what they have and minus one Patriot. Uh, I don't think either, either the offensive tackles, I don't think either one of the guards as things currently stand, uh, and I certainly don't think David Andrews is getting pushed off. So I, I think they got the offensive line right as of right now. We'll see if Robert Hunt lives up to this all-pro potential that they seem to think that he has uh, for the Dolphins at guard. Defensive end, I don't know. I don't want to be too much of a homer here, but Emmanuel Agba benefits from the Dolphins' defense in the same way that Matthew Judon benefited from the Baltimore Ravens' defense and is probably going to benefit from the New England Patriots' defense. Now, a lot of his rushes and wins as a pass rusher, they come thanks to some of the pressure packages and blitz scenarios that his defense is able to dial up. The Ravens have been the NFL's most blitz-aggressive defense for the last three years. Matt Judon has had a glow-up from a production standpoint over the last two. Emmanuel Agba played on the Dolphins' defense last year, which was the third most aggressive blitz-happy defense, and proceeded to post numbers equal to Matt Judon's career high in, in sack production. And the dirty little secret about Matt Judon versus Emmanuel Agba is Emmanuel Agba is exponentially, according to the pre-draft process, when both of these guys came out, Agba's the better athlete. Now, again, I'm not really leaning into rookies, but I think Jalen Phillips, from a pass rush perspective, Carl Lawson probably has him beat as of right now as far as being the best pass rusher at the defensive end or outside rush position in the AFC East. But Jalen Phillips, if he's the player we think he is, could very quickly join that conversation. Agba and Judon are both beneficiaries of free runs, and in that case, I'd probably take the guy who's a better athlete. 
So give me Manuel Agba. So as of right now, I'm plus two on Ben and Trevor, and you want to call me a homer for that, that's fine. I'm also taking, I'm also making sure I'm getting Jerome Baker over Dante Hightower. If this was four or five years ago, yeah, Dante Hightower still had the prime of his career ahead of him. He doesn't anymore. He took the year off last year. It sounds like there's some some commentary out of Patriots camp that Dante Hightower, they're hoping he's able to, to really jump back into playing shape after taking the year off last year. Jerome Baker, we talked about yesterday for 10 minutes about how he's underrated as a three-down player. So I'm going to have Raekwon Davis. I'm going to have Emmanuel Ogba. I'm going to have Jerome Baker. Uh, I am going to have Xavier Howard. And I'm not going to get a safety on this group. So I'm plus three, which would give Miami seven players. And the players that they're replacing are three New England Patriots. So I would go Miami, seven, New England, six, Buffalo, five, Jets, four. Now, I would also probably comb through and come up with a completely different set uh, of overlap if I was exchanging Bills players for Patriots players and Jets players out for Bills and Patriots players. So uh, we are doing this exercise as well over at Draft Dudes. Uh, We are just doing it uh, without the guys of the uh, Antarctic competition, which is a brilliant way to frame it. So credit to Trevor and Ben for the creative framing of the exercise. So I'd probably also try to find a way to get Brian Flores in there. I I could not in good conscience leave Brian Flores off my list. So yes, needless to say, uh, I have some gripes. I think there's a couple of players that have a legitimate complaint about being slighted by Ben and Trevor, and I'll be sure to tweet angrily at each of them throughout the course of the day today to remind them of their sins. If you're feeling a little sinful yourself, maybe you had a little extra uh, food off the plate, a little extra serving size, splurged a little bit, had a couple liquid calories this weekend, I got good news for you. You can get back on track. No problem. Lickety split. Thanks to our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar's protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. And these are the most delicious protein bars that these lips have ever touched. I'm talking high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They feel like eating a Three Musketeers or Snickers bar. You got 10 plus favorites to choose from. 100% chocolate on each and every one of their bars. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order of Built Bar. That is LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com to save 15% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move. Or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house. Or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund 
guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Couple more fan questions to bring us home here on Power to the Pot. The next one comes from Ali. Kyle, I've been a huge fan of the podcast for years. I tore my ACL last year during COVID and played your pod every day during rehab. Really appreciate your hard work. Oh, I appreciate you listening. That's very cool. Glad uh, glad you're on the mend, Ollie. Question, do you think the Dolphins would still have drafted Waddle over Chase if both were available, considering on how keen the Dolphins seem on Waddle? I mean, if, if the report is to be believed that Waddle was, what, the second player on the Dolphins draft board this year? And the more we've read and seen from other teams across the league, Carolina, the Jaguars, those teams coveted Jalen Waddle in that same tier, no questions asked. So if you have the same grade on a player, Waddle, Chase, say hypothetically the Dolphins had them in the same bucket. Really the tiebreaker, because they don't stack them vertically in a lot of instances, the way that you would associate Kyle Krabs' 2021 NFL Draft Big Board over at thedraftnetwork.com, in which it's 1 through 300. Instead, it's, okay, who are the guys that we have in our highest possible grade bucket? We'll put them in their board in a column for their respective position. It's called a horizontal draft board. So you have quarterback column, you have a running back column, you have a wide receiver column, all the way down, offense and defense. And then your upper tier is your 8.0s or your your top 10 grades. And then it's your first round grades. And then it's your early second round grades. Then it's your second round grades, third round grades, fourth round grades, blah, 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 blah. So at any given juncture, when you come up on the board, you can look and read like a book from left to right and say, these are all of the players that we have the highest grade, equal grade on, regardless of position, in the here and now. And if you assume that Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase are both in that bucket, what does the tiebreaker come down to? It comes down to health, medicals, and it comes down to fit. You're drafting best player available, and a lot of times that comes to either just drafting a position of need or fit for what you stylistically want to do. And if the Dolphins coveted Jalen Waddell to the same degree in which it's reported that they did, in actuality. Then the case to be made for Waddle over Chase, even if they have the same grade, is pretty straightforward, and it's that Waddle fits what we want, need, and aspire to be more than Jamar Chase. And that was the whole point of the argument when we got into and kind of going through player by player. How does this player fit into the puzzle? How do they not fit into the puzzle? The players stylistically, out of all of the options, who would benefit the most and provide the most benefit to the other players on the Dolphins roster was Jalen Waddle. And that's the player that they took. So I kind of feel, personally, as though, yes, that is the case. Next one comes from Marby Party Tape. Five-star review. Hi, Kyle. Enjoy the pod. You've taught me a lot this offseason. Well, thanks for listening. I've been grinding the tape, good man, of Tua and some of the other 2020 quarterbacks this offseason. Why are some people so optimistic on Jalen Hurts compared to Tua? Is it the athletic ability or an off-script plays? I get the Burrow and, and Herbert love, 
the Jalen Hurts one confuses me. I don't know who's been telling you Jalen Hurts is going to be good, but I, my expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles this year are extremely low. And some of that is not Jalen Hurts's fault. Uh, but Jalen Hurts is a quarterback who I think has more general accuracy than he does pinpoint precision accuracy. And that is a dividing factor between Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. And if Tua can get some level of the bounce and, and burst back in his throws that was missing last year, which we've said and, and heard, according to Tua and his trainer and some of the beat reporters that are at camp, hey, yeah, it looks like he's got a little bit more pop on his ball this year. Then I really don't know what you can point to and say that Jalen Hurts is going to be a better player. Because Jalen Hurts, and I understand it was a perhaps a strategic decision by Doug Peterson, Jalen Hurts got pulled by a game at the end of the year last year, all the same as what Tua Tagovailoa got pulled last year. The Eagles' offense is not going to be good. This team is not going to be good. He doesn't have a good supporting cast around him. I understand that they drafted Devontae Smith, and I know a lot of Dolphins fans out there wanted Devontae Smith. Miles Sanders has ball security issues. The offensive line, you get a major question mark at left tackle now. With Jason Peters out of the picture, you have to roll with Andre Dillard. Brandon Brooks is coming back from a major injury that he missed the entire season last year for. They're getting ready to move on from Zach Ertz, and Dallas Otter's quite good. But even the rest of the wide receivers, Jalen Rager, massive question mark. The rest of the receiving group is not good. Their defense is horrendous. There's going to be a ton of pressure put on that team, and they're going to get fall behind in a lot of games very quickly. So I'm not in on the Jalen Hurts love at all. Uh, and I think Philadelphia will probably be a team who's in the quarterback market at this point, or in next offseason, I should say, since we're past the draft at this point. Last question comes from Fins Up W. Kyle, absolutely love your willingness to interact with the fans from Power to the Pod. Sent my first question a couple weeks ago and got excited when it came up because I know I'm going to get a knowledgeable and reasonable answer, which is the best I can aspire to give to you. Please walk me off the ledge with my concerns of Tua admitting he did not know the playbook that well. There was nothing about Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow not knowing their playbook, and both of them had very successful rookie seasons. I understand the playbook was driven around Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't find that as an excuse to not know your playbook. Is that coming from laziness from Tua and him not taking his job serious as far as the mental aspect goes? Man, I could tell you on the ledge, okay, of learning the playbook. Or is it not a big deal and normal for rookies to have these types of issues? I know that can't feel good as an offensive teammate, knowing you're putting this hard work in your quarterback admitting he doesn't know the playbook and might not find you because his lack of knowledge of the plays. And I've seen a lot of film with him missing wide open receivers but not looking their way. So sometimes as far as who's running free, uh, sometimes and in some cases is just the way the read progression is designed. And that some of that may come back to what Shane Gailey and the Dolphins coaching staff last year directed to a from a progression style. If they were pure progression, there's a couple different ways that you are instructed as a quarterback to read the field. Pure progression is no matter what happens, you're going to get up to the line and you're going to take the snap and the receiver that's lined up to your right is going to be read number one. And then the next inside receiver is going to be read number two. And then the, the route that crosses the divider in the middle of the field is going to be your number three. 
and then your receiver on your left is going to be your number four. And all you do is read this play from left to right every single time, no matter what the coverage shell is, no matter what the alignment is of the defenders on the field, and it's just find the one that's open. And when you go pure progression like that, uh, it, it can be very difficult to work through the full field of play. So if his eyes start right and the guy's running free to the left early in the play, that may not be a fault of anybody but the play design. Now, if his eyes start right and the guy's running free to his right, then you got a problem, right? Because you're looking that way. That's an early progression for you. It's an early decision for you to make. If you're not trusting what you're seeing, that's when you get into the bigger can of worms. As far as the playbook... And what Tua said, Brian Flores tried his best to give context to this, and he was suggesting that Tua Tagovailoa was speaking comparatively this year versus last year. And probably in a standard year, I would have a little bit more outright, complete outrage over what Tua Tagovailoa said uh, than knowing that last year's offseason circuit was very disrupted. And I think something that you have to remember, right, is the Dolphins and the rest of the teams across the NFL, a lot of their early season install before training camp, which was late, and they didn't have any preseason games. So he got no valuable reps until the bye week, effectively. He took training camp reps, and even then he was behind fits. And then, like, he kind of got put into play there with the ones the week of the bye week. All of this learning was done virtually. And people learn different ways. People retain information in different ways. And this is something that, you know, my degree is in exercise science and sports science and, and movement studies and one of the things about sports psychology that that I really enjoyed learning about was the different styles of learning. Some people learn in a classroom setting by seeing it on a screen and talking through it. Some people learn by doing it physically and being hands-on. Some people learn by hearing it spoken in word to them. So all of these things combined, and I'm willing to have patience because Maybe Tua Tagovailoa's best style of learning is physical action and being told to do it and learning how to execute it within his own body as compared to seeing it up on the whiteboard. And that's not a lesser learning style. There's a reason why you do all of those things. To cater to people whose strengths in learning is in different places. Do I think the comments are concerning? Yeah. You know, I think it opens up a whole Pandora's box of questions about the decision that was made. Uh, and the only people that will, will have complete knowledge of, of why uh, that decision was made and what criteria to a tongue of a low check, despite some of the limitations about the playbook, are the people in the Dolphins organization. But Brian Flores, as a head coach, has earned my trust, and he should have earned your trust, that he's going to make decisions that are made in the best interest of the team because he's done it every step of the way thus far, and his team has overachieved for two consecutive seasons. 
and we could only be so lucky for the team to overachieve, overachieve for a third because that means we're in for a hell of a ride. So I would say don't, don't be on the ledge. Now let's pay attention to Tua Tungvaluwa this year. All eyes are obviously on him. Everybody has something to say about Tua. But you as a fan of the team, you have a right to be skeptical and, and raise an eyebrow hearing what Tua Tungvaluwa said. But I think there's enough unknown, and that's what this season as far as Tua Tungvaluwa should be about, in my opinion, is getting as much clarity as you can on what you have, how good he can be, how high his ceiling is, how big of a jump he's made, where he can be physically now that he's healthy. And then you can look at what else you need to do to put your team in the best position to win at the end of this season. Whether that is being aggressive and making some crazy, crazy splash. Be that for another skill player or a running back to put your team over the top from a skill player perspective. Or perhaps it's making a big splash with a different quarterback that's more experienced in the league that you feel like can be the final domino piece. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying all of these things, you'll ask yourself these questions after the season. But we got to see what he's got first. And because of how abnormal last year was, I think it would be hasty for us to make any damning decisions about him based on his comments when he's being quite candid and frank and honest uh, with all of the disruption to the typical flow that is already difficult. You know, maybe he's just a different kind of learner. That would be how, what I would say and offer to give you hopefully some peace coming into this season. And now I offer you more peace. Because I'm done. You're on Locked On Dolphins. Thought this was going to be a shorter one. Uh, turns out it was longer than yesterday's show. Because, of course, why would it not be? That means uh, that's, a, that's a testament to each and every one of you who brought some questions. I appreciated hearing from all of you who I got to and all of you who I did not. I know there was a big question earlier this week about uh, a report about Jalen Waddle at practice. Uh, I, I figured I'm, I'm not going to touch... Jalen Waddell and his health, perceived health or perceived limp at training camp. Somebody uh, who was at camp, I do not remember off the top of my head who it was, had a report that uh, he was showing a limp at OTAs. And uh, I am not, not at OTAs. I have not seen it with my own eyes. Um, so I, I'm not going to make any prognostications or I'm not going to make any judgments off of secondhand information on something of that nature. I feel, feel like that would be irresponsible of me. The only thing I would say on that front is I've seen video of Jalen Waddle running routes and catching balls at, at OTAs, and he looks pretty damn fast to me. So I'd say we're doing okay. If that's how he moves with a limp, can't wait to see what he looks like without one. But again, I am not at OTAs, so I can't speak intelligently on that, so I'm not going to get into that. And we'll, we'll see how Jalen Waddle looks once we get into training camp at the end of July, which I'm very much looking forward to, and I'm sure you are as well. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Hit subscribe on the pod. I appreciate each and every one of you taking some time out of your day. I hope you have a great Tuesday. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Fins up. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.